Welcome to Women in B2B Marketing, a show where CMOs, VPs of marketing, and all strong women leaders in B2B discuss their top tactics, strategies, and tips for building high-performing teams, leveraging trends, and ultimately rocking their marketing careers. Made by and for women, insightful for all. I'm your host and 15-year B2B marketer, Jane Sarah. Let's dive in. Okay. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Women in B2B Marketing. I'm super excited to bring to the mic from the stage where I saw her speak at DMF, a digital marketing forum here in Miami. This is Carrie Ann Stimson, who is the CMO at JMMB Group and 20 plus years in marketing. So kudos and claps and bows to you. She's been at JMMB for over 11 years, if I read that correct on LinkedIn. So I want to dive into that. And she's a fellow podcaster, which I always love. I love seeing other women podcasters out there. And her show is the Internal Marketing Podcast. So check it out. And Carrie Ann, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jane. I appreciate it. I mean, I I don't know if you aged me there. (laughs) With 20 plus years in marketing, although it feels more like five than 20, but it's been a great journey and I'm very excited to have this conversation here with you today. Me too. And it's funny how that is, right? When you start out your career, you're like, you like to round up. I'm four years. Okay. I'm going to say five years in marketing. And then, (laughs) then you get to 10 and that feels good. And as you get more than 10, 15, you're like, do I keep counting that or do I just take that out? Counting, <laughs> yeah. Do I just hide that? You yeah. know, don't tell it anyone. It comes full circle <laughs> and you just start removing it. It's funny. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but let's talk about how you got into marketing. So with these 20 years, tell us, walk us through your journey and how you got to the amazing position that you're in today. Sure, no problem. I'll try to keep that as short as possible. (laughs) You know, I mean, as early as high school, I realized I wanted to study something in the area of business. You know, at first I thought maybe it would have been accounting, but it was when I was in undergrad doing a business management degree, it was the marketing courses that really turned me on. You know, I really liked what marketing was from a strategic perspective, not so much even the creative, funnily enough, but the strategic perspective looking at businesses, recognizing, you know, we're in this thing to make money. How do we grow? How do we increase our market share? How do we attract new customers? And I just really was attracted to marketing as that function in the business that helped the business to do that. And it just came on as a light bulb for me. It was one of those courses that I always did very, very well in. And then having done my undergrad, I went on eventually to do an MBA in marketing at the University of Maryland College Park. So it's just been great. It's just been great. I mean, it's not the easiest field to be in. I tell everyone, you know, because I started out at an entry level marketing position and over the years would have done what I needed to do to move up the ladder to eventually become CMO about just over 10 years ago. Yeah, kudos. But it's just been a great journey. As I said, you know, it's not the easiest function in an organization because I still feel like marketing doesn't get always the love that it deserves. But it's still always interesting, always evolving, always challenging. And I look forward to doing what I do every single day. Yeah. What do you think or how do you think marketing doesn't get the love that we deserve? I have a few thoughts, but I'm curious what your take is on that. And I think what it is primarily is that we're, it's not always easy. I mean, some marketers are better at it, at it than others, but it's not always easy to connect the dots between what marketing does and the value to the bottom line. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So when we talk about marketing not getting the love, it's how do we communicate the value that marketing brings to the business? Yes. And the language of the business is dollars and cents. It's a bottom line. And marketers are not always readily able or sometimes even if they are able, you don't always have maybe the data or the systems or the processes in place to be able to show how those dots connect right through to the bottom line so that you can communicate that in the language that the business understands. And so when you don't get to do that and based on what we do, we're automatically relegated, unfortunately, to being seen as the arts and crafts department, you know. We do the pretty ads, the pretty pictures, the nice parties for the customers and make them feel good. And the promotional items, the pens, the cups, (laughs) you know, the T-shirts. So we're the arts and crafts department and and we're not seen as a viable, valuable part of the business in helping it to grow. And and that's the challenge that we face most times. Agreed. That's fair. I think especially when you first start out in marketing, right, there's... It's throwing the office parties and taking the notes in the meetings. It's also, Mm -hmm. I think it's half marketing and half being a woman in marketing, right? You're delegated to those things. (laughs) Yeah, that's another episode, but yeah, (laughs) I'm with you on that. Uh I remember starting out now, I do not raise my hand for those things. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. Not at all. So let's dive into employee advocacy, which is, I know, at least one of your jams that you can talk about for days, I'm sure. What does this really Mm -hmm. mean to you and why is it so important? So, I I mean, I, I can start out talking about my journey in internal marketing and how that would have led to my passion for internal marketing and by extension, employee advocacy, yes. right? So for me, going back to that same story about how marketers can better prove the value that it brings to the business, what I've realized as well as a marketer over the years is that internal engagement is something that we marketers don't talk about enough. And if you go back right back to when we were in marketing school, wherever we studied marketing, of course, the primary focus of a marketing course is the customer. Who are we targeting? How do we assess what it is they want? How do we position our brands and our products and services to attract our target customer and to grow the business, right? What tends to happen in those conversations is that we leave employees of the company out of the equation, right? And this respectfully is applicable whether you're in a services industry, products, or B2B or B2C. Marketers really don't get the opportunity to do a deep dive in understanding what role do employees play in delivering on the brand promise that we're communicating to our customers every single day through our awesome campaigns and communications. And it was when I was going through my marketing journey and realizing that that internal engagement is so important. So we will talk to our customers and we'll tell them all the great things that are happening And then on a very basic level, employees don't even know what campaigns are going on outside. They hear about the campaigns from the customers, right? Or they're not empowered or they don't have the tools to be able to, again, deliver on the brand promise that we're making. And so when you have that misalignment, then the brand is inauthentic and you don't get the outcome or the impact that you want to see Mm. in the campaigns, in the marketing strategies that you're trying to execute. And so it's something that I think as marketers and certainly I've embraced and I think more marketers have a great opportunity to embrace themselves is how important it is to look at something like internal marketing 
where we're engaging and empowering our employees to be ambassadors of the brand and to deliver on the brand promise. So that's where that started. And when we talk about employee advocacy, which is one of the outcomes of internal marketing, is that recognizing that your biggest ambassadors and your biggest advocates really are your employees. And don't get me wrong, we want customers to talk great things about our brand yeah. too, right? So having customers who are advocate is a, advocates is a great thing. But even before you get your customers, you would have gotten your very first employees. And our customers faster believe the words of our employees and what they have to say about the company than they would believe what's coming through our official marketing channels anyway. So if we can recognize that we have an awesome army in our employees who are our primary brand ambassadors, if they we can engage them, we can onboard them, we can empower them to be those voices of the brand externally in terms of how they show up and what they share, then it's something that we should all be really diving into as marketers and leveraging far much more than we do. agree. And I am actually selfishly very excited for this episode and to pick your brain because this is a weakness of mine for sure, internal marketing. So I love that you kind of broke it down into two big steps, right? One is internal marketing. That's the foundation of this before you can activate employee advocacy. So internal marketing, before we get to advocacy, What are the foundational points of that program and making sure that you're sharing everything that's market that marketing is doing and the brand message that you're bringing? I mean, where do you begin? Because just a quick explanation. This sounds like an excuse I'm realizing as I say it out loud, but I find that I am so busy doing and strategizing and getting things done that I forget to then bubble that up and and share it internally. This is a big weakness of mine. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for anyone, if anyone resonates with that, where do we begin and how do I get better? (laughs) No problem. Well, first of all, I think it's a good place to start to really make sure that everyone is clear on what internal marketing is, right? And first of all, internal marketing is not internal comms. Mm -hmm. So internal comms is a part of internal marketing, but it's not exactly the same. And admittedly, internal marketing as a nomenclature that was coined probably as far back as the 1970s, based on my research, is something that still not a lot of folks have agreed on a nice universal, all-encompassing definition, right? But for the purpose of this conversation, and it's a definition I like to use, internal marketing is really about engaging employees in the mission, the vision, the purpose of the brand, the products, the services with a view to empowering them to be able to be ambassadors, deliver on the brand promise, and to advocate for the brand externally. Okay. Now, that's the definition I like to use. And so the benefits of internal marketing is really not just about turning your employees into walking, talking billboards. It's really about creating that deep level of engagement into who we are as an organization, what we stand for, why we do what we do, and building that strong internal alignment, which has great benefits in terms of breaking down silos, working relationships, culture building, yeah. et cetera. And so that's what really comes down to. And then once you have team members that are that engaged and excited, you're looking at the possibility of creating an emotional connection yeah. that employees can have with the brand. And employees who are emotionally connected to the brand, when you think about customers who are your raving fans. Yeah. If you have employees who are raving fans of your company and your company brand, they're going to want to share it. They're going to be intrinsically motivated to share it. 
And so that's what internal marketing does. So in terms of getting started now, the first thing you want to do is you have to look at your employees as a kind of a target segment, really. So just like in marketing, your customers are your target segment in your external marketing. For internal marketing, they're your employees, right? Yeah. And so when you recognize your employees as a segment, you start to do your deep dive into that segment. Who are they? What do they look like demographically, psychographically? Then you want to do things like understanding, are they happy working with the company? Are they satisfied with the culture, Mm -hmm. the compensation package, the relationships they have up and down and laterally in the organization? And then most importantly, in my view, you also want to understand what's the level of engagement in the brand itself. Do they understand our mission, vision, and purpose? Are they aligned with it? Do they agree with it? Do they believe we live those out in our culture and our way of work? Do they know what it is our products and services are? Do they know what makes our offerings or solutions great? If they Do they feel confident? Suppose someone was to stop them on the road one day and say, hey, oh, you work with company ABC. I want to do business with your company. Why should I do business with your company? Why should I buy yeah. your product over your competitors? Are your employees confident in being able to answer that, right? You want to be able to assess where your employee target segment is, where all those things are concerned, because they help to lay the foundation for the work that you need to do to build your internal marketing strategy Mm -hmm. that helps to convert your employees into buying into who you are, your mission, your vision, your purpose. So that's where it starts. Uh, It starts with the research, starts with that level of understanding who they are so you can start building out your strategy. So do you end up for for internal marketing, end up working closely with HR and people ops and things like that? Yeah. Okay. You're getting it. You're getting it. So uh, internal marketing really requires, of course, leadership buy-in from the top, period. But also you're right, because of the broad benefits of it, you are going to have to engage across other functional areas. So you will have to engage with internal comms, wherever it sits. You're going to have to engage with HR, people ops, and any other role where there is that level of engagement that's required to keep your employees motivated and connected to who we say we are as a company. Amazing. So thank you, first of all, for correcting your that internal marketing is so much more than comms, which is I think because at small companies in my past, we always said, okay, and for internal marketing, you have to share X, Y, Z. And that's just internal comms, you're right, became synonymous for me with internal marketing, but it's Mm -hmm. one piece of it. Agreed. Right. And it's fine. A lot of folks think that, but that's great. It's a good place yeah. to start. So, And I love your angle of just th- seeing the internal, your team, your employees, your peers really as an, your ICP <laughs> and, and creating marketing yeah. for them yeah. too. So your HR and people team must love working with you because usually marketing kind of saves the last few minutes of whatever resources they have for that stuff. But you see this yeah. as being a primary starting point in your example of if somebody stops an employee on the street or or they're at a party or they meet in a networking event, mm-hmm. they have to be able to answer those questions, be it that they in sales yeah. or marketing, there's many more people at the organization that need to be able to still speak to that. That's right. Wow. So after you tackle that and you start creating marketing campaigns or just start even thinking about this side of things and establish the internal marketing base. And you transitioned to phase two of the employee advocacy. 
I have so many questions on this where should everybody be an advocate? What is actually, how are you defining an advocate? Where are they out there speaking and sharing? And then we'll get into what they're actually sharing. Sure, no problem. Okay, so we're jumping a few steps ahead now. (laughs) But so let's jump right into employee advocacy, which is one of the outcomes of internal marketing. Now, first of all, it's a great question when you ask about should everybody be an advocate? So let's be clear, right? Every employee is an ambassador of your brand. Every employee is an advocate of your brand or can be an advocate of your brand, right? When we talk about employee advocacy in the formal sense, however, what we're really talking about is those employees who want to show up in the digital space online, primarily through social media, but there's some who show up in maybe they want to do a blog, they want to do a podcast, what have you. Not all employees would be comfortable doing those things. And that's the difference, right? So it's appreciating, yes, every employee is an ambassador by virtue of the fact that they work there, whether they are great ambassadors, why you need internal marketing to make sure. An employee can be a potential advocate of the brand, whether they're doing it in the supermarket aisle or they're doing it on their LinkedIn page. But potentially to when you have an employee advocacy program where you have employees who are the ones using their voices Mm -hmm. on the digital space through in the digital space through the sharing and creating and repurposing of valuable content and engaging in a community. Those employees are a different, I would say, breed, as it were. And where you want to start with that is you want to look across your organization and first of all, find out who's comfortable doing that. Yeah. Right. And I know in our in our case, that's where we started. We literally just sent an email across to the entire company and said, who wants to start building their personal brand online or who is already online and wants to be a part of this program? Right. Because naturally, those people will rise up. They're going to raise their hands and say, hey, yeah, I'm comfortable doing this. And they'll raise their hands and they'll come and join in. And that's how you identify those folks to begin with. Right. Having identified them. Then it's about how do you bring them together and start to give them the tools to be able to do what they do. And one of the basic tools I like to encourage companies to think about is things like helping them to understand how to build their personal brand, define who they are, their personal brand, making sure they're able to define how they show up online, how do they want to build their community Mm -hmm. in their own digital platforms and on social media. It's really starting to have those conversations with them. So they start from, well, this is where we're coming from. Because what's also important is that companies, yes, also need to have their social media policies in in place. Pause for the cause. I don't want people to think we're just kind of giving everybody free reign to do what they want to do. So you do need to have your social media policies in place, which help to give guidelines to your employees about what they can and cannot do online and how they show up. But ultimately, it's giving them the basic tools to get them started in using their voices online to the people want to be able to do that. Perfect. Thank you for explaining. And yeah, there's a lot that goes into each of these, these steps and layers, I imagine. Once you establish this program and you have the hand raisers who are interested in, in opting in, what do you encourage them to share? And do you have kind of a split of what is promotional for the brand and what percentage or portion of what they're sharing is non-brand related? 
So that's a great question, Jane, and and it really is a point of contention from where I sit, especially if you follow employee advocacy conversations on LinkedIn, where there are companies that are kind of split down the middle where that's concerned. So you have those companies who are super conservative, and I understand it to the extent that they're really concerned about the risk and the impact to the brand. And what they do is they just have a nice repository of content, you know, photos, captions, infographics, and they keep it in a nice central location like an intranet or a shared folder. And they say to their advocates, you can only cut and paste from here. You're not supposed to create anything outside of that. And they do it out of fear because, again, they're afraid of the brand being put into disrepute. And then you have the other side of the spectrum where you have companies that are a little bit more comfortable or a lot more comfortable. And they say, look, you are people who represent our brands. We would have hired you. We would have recruited and put you through the rigors to ensure that who you are is consistent with who we are as an organization. And we trust that you're going to be responsible in how you create and post content. And so we're going to kind of give you that latitude to do so, obviously within the social media policy guidelines, but we're going to give you the latitude to do so. And so it cuts both ways. My preference is the latter because ultimately people connect with people, right? Agreed. People connect with people. Human to human is the way to go. And if we're just going to be creating walking, talking billboards and robots of employees who are just sharing content that's not authentic, it's not even in their voice, it's not how they would write or speak, then you're not leveraging the opportunity for those employees to be the humans that they are by authentically building brands and building communities around the brands that they represent. And so giving employees that latitude and that power helps them to do so. I mean, another thing I would also highlight, Jane, is that as companies, we also have to be cognizant of things like imposter syndrome, employees who are afraid to use their voices. They want to participate. They want to put themselves out there. But for whatever reason, there is a fear in doing so. You can give them the tips to be able to take those baby steps. I mean, I tell my employee advocates, especially the ones who are fresh and green at this thing, I say to them, look, just comment on other folks' stuff. So instead of trying to create content that, you know, you have to come up with something, am I going to sound smart? Is this thing going to make any sense? Just go on to other people's stuff and just write a thoughtful comment, write a valuable comment, engage, meet people, interact on the platform, because ultimately you get to build your muscles. Put yourself out there, build relationships until you get to a point where you feel more comfortable creating and posting your own content. Yeah. I mean, you see me nodding once this goes on YouTube. Everyone will see me nodding along with what you're saying. I've seen before, I'm sure we've all seen this in our LinkedIn feed, for example, where companies mm-hmm. use a tool or platform where, that ha- houses all of these links and they can only share these links, right? Or these images, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then you'll just, your feed will be bombarded if you follow multiple people in this company with the same thing. That's the same thing. Yes. (laughs) It's horrible. I'm like, there's like, you get zero interactions because everyone's experiencing this. They see it's inauthentic. Like you said, it's not in their voice. It's pretty cold Mm -hmm. company type marketing Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't go anywhere to me. Agreed. Yeah. There's a way to use those tools. There's a place for them, but not 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say to my team, look, we'll still put the content yeah. there because I, 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 while I prefer the latter option, I do still yeah. make the content available because sometimes some people just need inspiration. Yeah, exactly. They need inspiration or they can take what you've created yes. and they can repurpose it in their voice in a way that works for them. So it's about really finding that nice optimal mix of what works for you and your team. But certainly the robotic copy and paste, spitting out company content every day. Agreed. No. Yeah, not the best way to go in my So view. when you provide content, it's more you want the employee advocates to treat it like AI. It's a starting point mm -hmm. and take it and yep. edit from here. It's not Perfect. exact as is. <laughs> <laughs> Love that example. Absolutely. Absolutely. So funny. There's always, when you're looking at a spectrum or a group of people, there's, there's the people who are just star advocates, right? And then there's people that are just dabbling and like you said, green and fresh and starting to get out there. How do we bring more from the starter group into these star groups? Is there like from starters to stars, maybe that's a program in and of within the advocate group. <laughs> Yeah. You know, well, the first thing is I respectfully want to caution anybody who wants to transition their team members because I'm actually more of an advocate of encouraging people to stay in the lane in which they're comfortable. Yeah. Simply because I feel like, again, if you want your team to be authentic in how they're advocating and yeah. how they're creating and sharing content, then you want that authenticity to remain in a way that comes out when they're sharing, right? So yes. for instance, I do a podcast, right? And I know we're probably going to get into that later, but I do a podcast. Not everybody is meant to do a podcast or even a blog for that matter. There are some people who are just comfortable commenting under other people's posts on LinkedIn. And if that's where their lane is and they're comfortable doing that and they're always adding valuable, insightful content through those comments, then allow them to do that. If there are some people who like to do videos because they love being on camera. I know I hate doing videos, but there are some people who like doing videos. They just love taking out their cell phone while they're driving their car to work and they're spitting out some valuable content about stuff in their industry. Allow them to do that because you know what? Their audience is going to connect with that depth of thoughtfulness yeah. and authenticity and value in a way that probably they wouldn't be able to connect with me because they're going to see my discomfort on the camera, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so my thing is just let people do what comes naturally. The big thing is don't let people afraid to use their voices. Allow them to use it, empower them to use it, and then help them to use it in a way that is most authentic and natural to them. Is there any monitoring involved where you keep an eye on what's being said or shared? And have you ever had to ask somebody respectfully to stop in some capacity? Well, fortunately, not anyone who's been part of my employee advocacy program. I've never had an issue there. What we do encourage folks to use are things like hashtags, so common hashtags that we ask them to use when they're posting content that's pertaining to the company brand so that we can follow the hashtag and ah, see what's happening there, the traffic, smart. people who are following there. Yeah. Also, if we're using the advocates for particular marketing initiatives, so let's say we have a webinar coming up and we want to ask our advocates to promote the webinar and invite people to register. Yeah. 
everybody gets their kind of, you know, unique registration link, you know, so we can track the registrants that are coming through those links as opposed to the registrants who are coming through this traditional marketing links as well. So you can see what traffic your advocates are driving versus the traffic that your marketing channels are driving. So those are the things that we do in terms of just general monitoring. Mm-hmm. If someone who is not an ad, a, a part of the employee advocacy program, it's just about general monitoring to make sure that folks are not in flout of the social media policy. Just just saying, yeah. but we've really never had an issue with the advocates per se, because they would have gone through the rigors of the training and the sensitization necessary Perfect. to help them to be advocates and just to be more responsible at using digital channels and social media in particular in general. Yeah, so training is key here. I'm curious, yeah, absolutely. as CMO, what percentage or portion of your responsibilities and time is focused on internal marketing and the advocacy program versus anything else? And kind of how do they all live together? I'm curious how this, how your world fits together. That's a great question. Well, the first thing is that everybody's world is going to look yes. different, right? And and it's another thing with internal marketing where we also haven't landed on where is the best center of excellence yeah. supposed to be where internal marketing is concerned. And, so, you know, it, first of all, in a lot of companies, internal marketing isn't the thing that it should be. Yeah. But even if you talk about internal comms, in some companies, internal comms is in HR, in others, it's in yeah. marketing. In others, it's in corp com or executive comms. In others, it's non-existent. So, <laughs> exactly. You know, can we go there? It's another episode, uh-huh. right? <laughs> We're racking up the episodes right. today. Part two. Part but three. yeah, so it varies, right? There is a school of thought, and it's it's my personal one too, and it could be contentious, is that because it is marketing, and a huge part of marketing is about understanding the behavior of your target segments and implementing strategies to shift that behavior in the way that you'd like it to go, then internal marketing by extension, in my view, should be in marketing as the center of excellence, bearing in mind that you're going to have to have those partnerships with HR, people ops and internal comms, wherever it sits, to make sure that you're all dancing to the same tune, right? And making sure that in the execution of the internal marketing strategy, everybody is on the same page. So that's my view. I can't tell you that my personal view is the complete and total view of the company I work with either. Because in my company, internal comms is in HR and then I'm in marketing. So what we've kind of come up with is uh, how do we find the happy medium of working together and giving people and functions the independence that they need? So internal comms will continue to do their internal communications activities, which are about culture building primarily and sensitization of company news and developments. And then whatever communications we do in marketing as part of an internal marketing effort is really about brand engagement. What are we doing around the brand? What's happening? Things that campaigns that are in play. Who do we stand for? What clients are saying about us? Mm -hmm. And also tips on how employees can build their personal brands online. How can they promote the brand externally? Those are the types of content that we put out as marketing, still to the same internal audience, but obviously with a slightly varied objective. So 
short answer in terms of percentage of time that takes up the minority of my time. I'm talking maybe like anywhere from 10 to 15 percent, because at the end of the day, my mandate is still very much about attracting customers so we can make money. But, you know, there is that dedicated time and resources recognizing that that internal engagement is still very, very important. Perfect. So this is seen in in the marketing world that's under you. Internal Mm -hmm. marketing is kind of, to oversimplify, one channel to achieve revenue in the end. Right, right, more or less. And it's how do we engage and empower our internal team as part of that conversation. Perfect. And we touched on your podcast, which of course is internal marketing focused. I'd love to hear both sides. How has that benefited you and building your personal brand and creating this show and helping others? And also, how has it helped your company's brand? Well, for my personal brand, which is the easy one, I mean, the journey has been phenomenal in the sense that when you launch what I, as far as I'm aware, the first podcast and at the time when I launched it, certainly the only podcast, it still probably is. I probably need to do a quick Google (laughs) search on that. But up to very recently, it was the only podcast that was solely focused on the area of internal marketing. It really helps you to stand out very easily. It's just not another marketing podcast, uh, respectfully. So it really has done a great job of helping me to build relationships. I get the opportunity to appear on podcasts like yours, great conversations with awesome folks like yourself talking about internal marketing. So It's really been a wonderful journey from a personal brand building perspective. As far as the company brand is concerned, it has helped to the extent that you would see the brand dimensions coming up online for JMMB because that's who I am. I'm the CMO of JMMB. And when you do a nice search, JMMB brand gets to come along for the ride. And, you know, that's one of the main talking points I I share with uh, companies when they're reluctant to have their employees build their personal brands. Because let's face it, the podcast is mine. It has nothing to do with JMMB. MMB. They never gave me a dollar to start it. That's fine. I didn't ask for it because it was my personal passion project. But what they did was they didn't stop me from doing it. They didn't muzzle me in any way. They trusted that, hey, Carrie Ann is not only the CMO, but she's aligned with who we say we are. We don't need to lose sleep at night that she's going to go on a podcast and say something that's going to put the brand name into disrepute. So they gave me the latitude to do that. And their brand has been able to come along for that ride and be in rooms and in conversations yes. that they probably other w- otherwise wouldn't be in had I not been doing it. And so that's what I have to yes. say about that. So let's take a moment to appreciate companies and brands who don't get in the way mm-hmm. and encourage their employees to start these passion projects and these side things that give them life, right? I feel the same about content is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So starting my show very similarly, it's something I'm interested in. It's solely mine and it's not affiliated Mm -hmm. with any brand. It's just something that excites me and fuels me as an individual. So something when I, when I look for a company or whenever I'm assessing, if I'm going to a new company, that's one of my first questions is, is this a problem because I plan to continue this podcast? or whatever side project. And that is a big factor in a decision there. So huge because it benefits them. It does. And, you know, I'd like to add, Jane, that there are also marketing opportunities through collaboration, because I certainly am not the only independent content creator that works at JMMB. In fact, one of the 
ladies on my team, she is a graphic designer by day, but she has a travel blog cool. outside of, and that's her passion project. Amazing. And she has an awesome travel blog online. She does great videos. She has more followers on her Instagram account than JMMB has on its official wow. account, right? And so we've done things in the past where we've collaborated with her. So we're a financial entity yep. and we wanted to do a, a post on how to budget for your dream vacation, yeah. right? And we did a collab post with her where she's a single woman who loves to travel how does she budget and do trips and, and realize her travel dreams on a budget? Yeah. We are a financial brand. We want to empower our customers about how to plan and their dream vacation on a budget. And we did a That's collab perfect. post where she gave the tips. And so our brand got exposed to her audience yes. and she got exposed to our brand community. And then the employer brand gets to benefit, yes. which is another awesome benefit of internal marketing and employee advocacy. Because when people look on and they are like, but she's their graphic artist and she has a travel blog and they allow yeah. her to do that. That's such a great yes. place to work. You're attracting great talent. You're building a great yes. employer brand when you do that. And hey, who doesn't want to work for a great company and which company doesn't want to attract and retain great talent? So those are the things that it really has a benefit of doing. And it's something I encourage all companies to explore. So true. Yes, I completely agree. And I love the phrase that you said where the brand gets to come along for the ride because it brings the, mm -hmm. the stages that you've been able to be on and the places that your employee was, was a, is able to go because of her travel blog. Like the, the rooms you get to be in that you then bring your brand into is just a, it's a huge extension of the brand and, and ability for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I love this. And I, we could talk internal marketing and, and dive into this we could. all day for weeks. <laughs> but I'm also curious to talk into the leadership side of things. So you, you've shown a little bit about your mm -hmm. leadership style just in sharing a couple of these stories. How has, I mean, the past few years have been so up and down in every way. Mm -hmm. How has your leadership style had to change over the past few years because of that? So it's changed and it's not changed yeah. in the sense that I think the rudiments are the same as far as my general approach to leadership. So I am a very people first oriented kind of leader. Yeah. You know, I recognize at the end of the day that I work with human beings who have needs, wants, goals, desires, challenges, and to the extent that their equilibrium is in disarray yeah. as people, then they're not going to be able to bring their best selves to work, yeah. right? And so I see myself as like the kind of leader who is about not only empowerment, but enablement, removing those roadblocks so that they can be their best selves, right? Yeah. What the last few years would have done, which is why I said is so it's not different in the sense that I'm still that kind yeah. of leader. But what the last few years would have done, because we would have transitioned to remote during the pandemic, and we're actually still remote. Yeah. So JMMB is one of those companies that said, hey, you don't need to come yeah. back unless you really want yeah. to, right? But what that means is, whereas we used to work in the same space, so it was easy to have the conversations and the water cooler chatter and build those connections, it's so much harder now when we work all over, you know, and I mean, your, our different homes and workspaces. Yeah. So what I've had to do is I've just had to be far more deliberate about maintaining those relationships because we're physically distanced, mm -hmm. right? So for instance, I have an unconventional thing to the extent that 
all my team meetings are cameras on. Yep. Now you got to do cameras on. You can have on your satin bonnet if you want yeah. to. You can be in your bunny slippers. I don't yeah. care. Just have your camera on. And the reason why I need to see your camera on is I need to see how you're doing. Because yeah. I've had meetings where you look at the person's face and something is yeah. wrong and they're not okay. And you go through the meeting and when the meeting is over, I pick up the cell phone and I call them and I, I'm like, something yes. is up with you. Your face didn't look too right in that meeting. Yeah. And they're like, wow, you know, I have some problem. My mom is sick or I lost my dog or I'm just going through a lonely period right now. And I'm like, okay, meet me in the parking lot of XYZ oh. supermarket. I'm going to hand you a bottle of wine. Oh. You're going to take the rest of the afternoon off. I know you like wine. You're going to take the rest of the afternoon off and you're going to. That's why I do that. Because if everything is just cameras off, I don't know what's going on with yes. you. I'm just hearing a voice and you're following a script. I need to know what's going on. Things like coffee dates. You know, I deliberately set up coffee dates where I'm like, come, we're going to meet at this local cafe. Yeah. And it's not about work, it's just about you, what's going on with you, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations outside of JMM. Yes. Those are the conversations I like to have. So it's really about being more deliberate yes. and creative in maintaining that relationship because we're physically distanced. But the basic rudiments of making my team remember that I am here for yes. them, I have their best interest, and I'm they can feel safe with me, then that hasn't changed. I love that. And th thank you for sharing that story too, because A... You're an amazing manager. That just, that was great to hear. And B, it, it's, you hear stories of people having these team meetings and they force the camera on and people are like, oh, it's, it's a negative thing, right? Because they're being tracked and yeah. they're checking that they are it where they is. say they are. But I'm the same. I love mm -hmm. having cameras on for my team calls for any call mm -hmm. I'm on because that's how you know how they're doing. That's how you connect with the person. Mm -hmm. So much body language and what you're saying can be seen when the camera's on. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. I'm the same. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care where you are. Mm -hmm. I just care mm -hmm. that the job's getting done and that you're okay. Right. So that's the yeah. point is to connect right. so that when you hear an that's story right. like you just shared, it's just, it, yeah. You can see when it's coming from the right person and, and good leaders and managers, it's a positive. It's not something to yes. watch you and micromanage. Right. And if your team felt safe with you from before, yeah. then they trust your intentions. When you ask them to turn the camera on, they know that I'm, it's not because I'm tracking to make sure you're doing the work <laughs> over there. It's because I really yeah. do care. And, you know, you can show up in your bunny slippers. I don't care. I'm really about... If you changed your glasses, I want to know yes, if you bought a new pair of right? glasses. Oh, that's a new pair of glasses. And we spend 60 seconds as a team just ooing and eyeing over your brand new pair of glasses. I mean, those are things that we used to be able to do that we can no longer do. And when you stop and think yes. about it, we've lost that benefit, yes. that simple point of connection. Yes. You know, we got to keep it going. And yeah, cameras on it is for yeah. me. And coffee dates and do what we got to do. Same. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. If if there's one thing that you'd like to leave on, I'm going to go a little slightly different than I have the past few episodes. What's one piece of advice that you would give to fellow CMOs or marketing leaders out there who just current state of affairs or with internal marketing, what's one nugget that you would like to leave everybody? Sure. Well, it's I'm going to deviate a little bit from internal marketing. Yeah. I'm just really speaking as a CMO and as a woman in the C-suite is really recognizing two things. One, 
no matter how hard you work and how well you perform, it doesn't guarantee that you will get the recognition and the promotion and the advancement that you deserve. Yeah. Unfortunately, we were taught, you know, if you go to school, you study hard, you get good grades, you're going to get a good job. And when you get that job, if you work hard enough, you'll get promoted and your growth opportunities are yours. It really doesn't work that way. Uh, you really have to make sure that your public relations, your personal public relations plan, your personal PR plan is on point, right? Do your people see you? Does your company, do the opinion leaders and the gatekeepers and the people who have the power to pull the lever and pull the trigger on things, do they see you? Yeah. Do they know the value that you bring? You got to do your own PR. It's not just about holding your head down at your desk and doing your work and hoping that your good work will speak for you. Yes. Let people know who you are. Put yourself out there. Have those conversations. And then the second thing is get you a good mentor and sponsor. They're not the same thing. So I think everybody knows what a mentor is. But a sponsor is that person who will call your name for opportunities, even yeah. when you're not in the room, mm -hmm. right? So build those relationships, find a sponsor who will help to advocate for you, especially in places where you don't exist, and make sure that your personal PR plan is on point so that people see you and understand the value that you bring. So they'll remember you when those opportunities come up. I love that. I haven't heard that term before, and now I'm going to use it for sure. Personal PR plan. Oh, absolutely. So from internal absolutely. marketing to a kind of internal PR, personal PR plan. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of still internal, mar internal marketing of yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carrie Ann, for joining us today. I've, I've learned so much and... I've corrected a few things that pre misconceptions, I guess, that I had previously. So thank you. I love to be corrected when I'm, I have something wrong. So thank you for that and for sharing just so many good tidbits today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Jane, for having me. I really enjoy this conversation. I mean, it, it's, pro it's one of those conversations where I'm like, this is what I needed today right. based on how I woke up this morning <laughs> feeling. Yeah, Same. I needed this conversation today. So thank you so very much for the invite. I really appreciate you as Thanks, well. Thanks, Carrie. And Same. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the episode. I'm sure you have some notes and takeaways. Please share them on LinkedIn. Tag us. Tag Carrie Ann. If anybody wants to connect with you, is LinkedIn the best place? Absolutely. Thanks for that. Yeah. LinkedIn is my place. Carrie Ann Stimson. I'm there and everything about me and my podcast and my journey as a marketer and as a woman in marketing yes. and in business, it's all there. I'd happy to connect with folks. Perfect. I will put all of these links in show notes so you can easily connect with Carrie Ann and definitely listen to her show, the internal marketing podcast. Very direct, just like mine. I love it. What it covers, right. no, no question on it. <laughs> Not at yeah. all. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining. If you love the show, share it with a friend, like, comment, rate. It all helps us get in front of more viewers and listeners. So thanks all. Have a wonderful day.